0: If you have your outline, please take that out and turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, We're still in Genesis chapter 1. Um, Today we're talking about filling the earth. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to go to a beautiful part of our world and just stop and stand at all what God has done. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to do that. And maybe you go to Niagara Falls and you go to the brink of Niagara Falls and you watch those 750,000 gallons of water go over that brink every second. Can you imagine that? 750,000 gallons of water, you just take that all in. Or maybe you go to the Grand Canyon, to the brink of Grand Canyon, and just drink all that in, the vastness, and just look at that. Or, or maybe you go to the Great Barrier Reefs, or maybe you go to a volcano, and you see and, and, and be in awe of what God has done. In the beauty of it all, that God did all of it. It didn't happen by chance. God did it all. The Bible nowhere tries to prove the existence of God. It doesn't. It just assumes that God exists. Right from the very beginning, the very first words in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God, right? Let's say that all together. One, two, three. In the beginning, God. Those first words are so important. If you get past those first four words, the rest of it comes easy, right? In the beginning, God to understand that. I think one of the strongest arguments for the existence of God is the cosmological argument. It's the argument of cause and effect. And the the argument says there has to be an adequate cause for the effect. And the effect is the beauty of creation. We see the beauty of creation, but the cause, that cause is much more inadequate because that cause is God, right? That God brought everything into existence, amen? He brought it all into existence. And the universe as we know it was not eternal. From years ago, people thought it was, but it's not eternal. It had a beginning. And most people agree with that now, but they they disagree, there's a lot of disagreements on how that beginning took place. And I told you before, it either is humanism, where, where man has to answer all of man's problems, or theism, where God has to answer all of man's problems. It comes from where you come from that. And we believe that God has the answer, God created it all. And when you look at the complexities and the beauty and the wonder of it all, and it is, of God's creation, you have to say there has to be a greater cause for all this to happen. It just happened by random chance. It didn't just happen by nature, but that God caused it to happen, that God created it all. And if you have your Bibles at Genesis chapter one, we're gonna look at the next three days of creation. As we do, we're gonna learn some things about God. And we're gonna learn some things about ourselves that are gonna help us in our walk with God. And one thing I want you to learn is God creates life and therefore, we need to stand in awe of him, right? We need to stand in awe of God. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at the first, uh, the, the days four, five, and six of creation. But before we do that, let's put the chart up on there. We had this chart up last week. We see the chart. Uh, day one, if you look at this, the first three days of creation, God is forming. The second three days, God is filling, uh, filling the earth. The first, the, the first three days align with the second three days. The first day, God created light. He said gave light. But it wasn't until day four that God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. In day two, God created the sky and the waters below the oceans. But it wasn't until day five that God filled it with the birds of the air and the fish of the oceans and the seas. On day three, God created the land and created the plants. But it wasn't until day six that He filled it with the animals and mankind and then gave those plants for food. We see that, that God is filling and he's forming right here, and they align together. It gives us us great insight what God is doing. So let's look at the days of creation of 4, 5, and 6. And if you have your outlines ready, God fills the earth, and we've learned through verses 14 through 19, with light. God fills the earth with light. Let's read, beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And God said, and I love that, and God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. God created the heavens and the earth. And I, and I love to think about that. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it says, In six days God created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. It lets us know that everything that we see, everything that we know God created it all in six days, the Bible says. Everything that we see. And in this fourth day, God created the sun. And the sun was to govern the day. And we know that that sun is about 93 million miles away from the earth. And we know that it's much more massive than the earth. Uh, the the diameter of the sun is about 865,000 miles uh, in diameter. It's 109 times larger than the earth's diameter. At The temperature of the sun, the core temperature is estimated to be 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. Can you imagine that? 27 million degrees. The surface of the sun is about 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. I was reading and they said you could take one million earths and fill it within the volume of the sun. Think about one million earths. That's how big the sun is. There was an article that said there was fear that the sun was going to run out of fuel in four to five million years. Think about that, four to five million years. I'm not too worried about that, are you? (laughs) Because I'm not going to be around in four to five million years. We also from the, know from the Bible, that's not the way the world is going to come to an end, right? So we don't have to worry about that. Uh, I have more confidence in the fuel level of the sun than I have in the, the intelligence of mankind when it comes to that, of what they're thinking. Uh, we live in a very troubled world, and I'm trying to joke about it. You know, I'm not trying to be joking or sarcastic anything, but it's true. What is happening around the world with the nuclear power and, and the hands of nations that don't know really how to handle it can be a very scary thing when we look at the world. And people are always predicting the end, that the end's going to come through this or through that, the end of the world, and, and the world's not going to make it. We hear all that. And I don't mean to be cynical or anything like that, but the Lord is going to come back again, right? We know He's coming back. We just don't know when He's coming back. The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible says that these are given for signs and for seasons, what we see today. And the day is going to come. You can almost guarantee it's not going to be the day that anybody's predicting, that Jesus is going to come back someday when Jesus chose his, his right to come back. And he's going to come back. And we certainly don't want to be the scoffers that we find in Second Peter, where they said, you say Jesus is going to come back. How could you say that? Uh, he hasn't interrupted human history ever before. Why would he do it now? And Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, what about creation? What about the catastrophe of the flood? He talks about that in second peter chapter 3 and then anticipating what they were going to say these scoffers are going to say uh why isn't he come back again he gives them the answer in second peter chapter 3 verse 9 and he says this the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance so it, what we look at today every day that jesus doesn't come back is a day of him coming back it gives you an eye an opportunity to share the gospel message with others, to tell them that God loves them and sent this son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for them, right? Gives us an opportunity to do that. So we praise God for that. That's our challenge. And that's our task. And that's part of the purpose that God has given for us to do, right? Is to share the gospel message. So this sun is 93 million miles from the earth. How many of you ever tried to look up at the sun? I mean, don't do it, but you try to, and it's just blinding. And God created that. Think about that. He created that out of nothing. So God created the sun, and the earth is rotating around the sun, right? It's it's revolving around the sun. But then the Bible tells us that God created the moon, which revolves around the earth, right? And it gives us light during the nighttime, right? It governs the night, as it says, and gives us light. Now, you know that the moon doesn't have light on its own. It's a reflection of the sun's uh, light It reflects off the moon that lets the earth see that we have the light. But the moon is approximately 239,000 miles away from the Earth. And so then God says this, and I love how he says it. He says, he also made the stars. Now through the naked eye, they say, that we can see 5,000 stars in the sky. But through the newer and better telescopes, they not only can see more stars, but they can see more galaxies. And they say that there's 100 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxies. Uh, multiplied by all the galaxies and all the stars, and they come up with, they're saying there's one sex, there's 100 sextillion stars, that is a one with 24 zeros behind it. Think about that, that God it created. And some are even estimating it might be 100 to 300 sextillion stars. They don't really know. And God said in verse 16, I love this, He also made the stars. It's like a side effect, oh yeah, and I made the stars too. I just want you to know that I made all those stars that you see up in the sky. Over 100 sextillion stars he made. In Psalm 19, verse 1 through 3, offers a little bit more information on this, helps us to understand this a little bit more. Where the psalmist writes The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands, day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. So it says, The heavens declare. And shout the glory of God. And they do. When we look at the heavens, we see that it shouts and declares the glory of God. When we look at the heavens, we understand that the work of God's hands, right? We understand that. And God's spoken into existence out of nothing. That's what's really, he not only made it, but he made it out of nothing, the Bible tells us. And we look at the, the, the sun and the moon and the stars and all those 100 sextillion stars. And that's through natural revelation. And through natural revelation, we see there's a God. We can say that this God is creative. We can say that this God is powerful, right? He's gotta have power to do that. We say that this is a God of order. This is a God of design. This is a God of purpose. But what we can't tell from natural revelation that, that God has a salvation plan for us, right? We can't tell that from natural revelation by looking up at God's creation and understand that. That is to come through a special revelation through Jesus, right? And declared to us through the eyewitness accounts in the word of God. That's where we get that. Through a special revelation through the Word of God. Eyewitness accounts from the Word of God. Through the Gospels we, un- we learn that, right? Through that is what we learn. Because we don't understand there's Jesus by looking up at creation. We can't understand that God had a son. We don't understand that at all. A God's son. We don't understand. But we learn that from a special revelation through Jesus that all that took place. So God created the sun and the moon and stars, and it was good. That was day four, is what the Bible tells us. Number two, God fills the earth with animal life, in days five and six, days five and six, let's read verses 20 and 21. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teams, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. This is the first time we see the word created, the, the same word we found in verse one, that God created the heavens and the earth. The same word now is used here, here, here in this, this verse. Verse 22, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, there was morning, the fifth day. We see at the word of God, at God's, as God speaks, the earth and the skies and the waters are filled. He fills them up. And wouldn't you love to bend there to see what God had formed just a few days earlier? Now he's filling it. Wouldn't you love to see that? He takes the waters and the Bible tells us he's he's making the dolphins, he's making the sharks, he's making the whales, he, he's making all those kind of creatures, the marlins, he's making the, the bass, the northern pike, the salmon, bluegill, all these Creatures that we see, the lobster, all those kind of things that we see, all the marine life that we see, 2 million species of marine life is what we see. God creates just like that out of nothing. In 2014, scientists were able to identify 1,500 new species of marine life. Not new because God made them all the creation, right? But new to them. Marine life is amazing to see what God has created 2 million species that we know of that God has created of marine life, and we see that. And the Bible says, He filled them. And then said, increase in number is what he says. And he uses the word team or, or swarm in some translations. Those fish were teeming through the seas. They were teeming and swarming from nothing to teeming, multiplying, increasing in numbers. It seemed very rapidly is what we see. And that's what God told him to do. Then the Bible says the birds of the sky, everything from vultures to eagles, to hawks. I have a hawk flying over my yard constantly, to owls. I have an owl that's been flying around lately, an owl, to sparrows, to robins, to hummingbirds, to cardinals, all kinds of birds. All of them so different, and all of them so unique when you look at the birds, some very large and some very, very tiny, and God made them. And God formed them, and it happened just like that. 10,000 different species of birds. And some, it it depends how you define species. They said it could be anywhere from 18 to 20,000 different species of birds that God had made. Just like that, it happened. God spoke it to be out of nothing, is what the Bible says. And then that's the end of day five. Day five is ending, and and now he's going to introduce us to day six. This is a big day, day six. In verse 24, and God said... Let the land produce living creatures, according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. He divides the living creatures into three categories is what we see. Uh, Livestock, probably domesticated animals, what we see livestock, what he's talking about there creatures that move along the ground. That could also mean small creatures close to the ground that move along. And wild animals, many interpret that as game animals, like bears and lions and elephants and all those kind of animals. And all these wonderful animals that God had created. And it says in verse 25, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was was good. God created all that. And we see God create. He created the heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, and this 100 sextillion stars. I can't get over that. 100 sextillion stars of all those stars that God created. It says, oh yeah, and I created the stars. And when you see, when you see that Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 40, and God is asking a question, it's almost repeated rhetorically, and God asks the question, to whom do you compare me to? Or who is my equal? you say, God, there's no one you're equal. We can't compare you to anyone. You're in a category all by yourself. He says, I want you to look up at the heavens. Look up at all those starry hosts, and those starry hosts is the stars. He says, I made them, and I called them by name. I know each one of them by name. I named every one of those stars, those 100 sextillion stars. We had a couple songs that mentioned that this morning. He says, I named every one of those stars. And we think, wow, that's our God. Think about that. He not only put them in their position where they are in the universe, but he says, I named every one of them. And I know every one of their names. Those 100 sextillion stars that we know of, God knows. That's our God. He knows them all. We don't even know how many stars there are. And God knows them by name. Every one of them by name is what he says. I know the stars. God's creation just causes you and I to be in awe and wonder of God. He's he's an amazing God to understand who he is. Magnificence and all that he does, right? I was reading about one of God's creation, and I was really uh, just, it was very interesting. It's about the draft. It was a giraffe is an amazing animal. When you look at the giraffe, you have to be thinking, God, what were you thinking when you made the giraffe, right? Because it's just strange. <laughs> what were you thinking of all the other animals? You made this giraffe. It looks so weird. But a mature bull giraffe will stand about 18 feet tall, and it's giving them tremendous advantage to reach the foliage higher than anyone else could reach it. He can grab that than other animals can get. But the construction of the giraffe causes all kinds of problems, because the giraffe has to get blood to this brain of theirs, and, but it has to shoot that blood up through a powerful pump to go all the way through that thin neck, all the way up to its brain, so it has to have a really strong heart. The heart of a giraffe can be about two and a half feet long. Can you imagine that? That big pump is pumping two and a half feet, pumping all that blood. You can imagine all the blood pumping up to that big, long neck. But the problem is, what happens when a giraffe kinda wants to eat something from the ground? Oh, he wants to drink some w- water or something from the ground. All that blood, now he's bending down, and all that blood is rushing toward his head. And all that blood is going to be rushing toward those blood vessels in the head. And they're not going to be able to handle it. It'll kill him instantly. Except for the fact that God knew about that, right? And so what God did, God, when, when the draft puts his head down, he has these series of valves in his neck that starts closing. They start closing instantly and stopping the blood flow from going further in the neck. Except the blood that is beyond the last valve, uh, and that, that last one, it starts rushing to the brain. Before it can get to the brain, there's these little uh, little capillaries that are there that forms a sponge that takes all that excess blood and it holds it there, it kind of holds it for storage. So therefore, the, the giraffe can bend down and drink some water or eat something from the ground. And, and that blood doesn't kill him, rush into his brain. But what happens if he's there and he's eating there or he's drinking some water, here comes a predator. A predator comes about to get the giraffe, you know when you and I are bending down or leaning over or get up from the bed too quick, sometimes we don't have blood around our brain and we get kind of woozy and dizzy, and and man, I better sit back down. If that happens to the giraffe, what will happen to him? He'll be dinner, he'll be lunch, right? Except for the fact that God knew about that. Soon as the giraffe lifts up his head, those valves instantly start opening again. And those little capillaries that act like a sponge, it shoots that blood to his brain instantly so the draft can raise that big neck and have all the blood that he needs to his head. And he can take those long legs and he can run away from that predator. God is an amazing God. His creation is awesome and how he did it. He's so creative. I mean, look at God's creation. We would run out of ideas, and God never runs out of ideas. Two million different species of marine life, all the birds. And look at all the animals he created. And just the giraffe, you think of the giraffe, it is amazing. We stand in wonder in awe of God and his creation, right? And that's just one animal, that each animal has, has, is unique and distinct. Each animal has its own characteristics in which God has made it. And the beauty of God's creation just leaves all of us in awe of who he is, right? We're just in awe of how he created everything. That's the beginning of the sixth day, and now that leads us to the end of the sixth day, the pinnacle of all of God's creation. Let me say that again. The end of the sixth day is the pinnacle of all of God's creation, of everything that he created. And as you look at all of God's creation, you see he's created the sun, he's created the the moon, he's created the earth, he's created all those 100 sextillion stars, all this. In all the glory God has created. You have this star. The sky now is filled with all these birds. You have the ponds, the lakes, the rivers, the ocean, the seas. They're all filled with the two million different species of marine life. All the animals are on here on the earth. It's all filled, right? right? The earth is filled. The waters are filled. But there's still something missing. There's still something missing. And it's the pinnacle of God's creation. And that is us. And number three, God fills the earth with human life this is what it was all for, guys. This is what he was doing. It was all for this moment right here, what God is going to do right here. Verse 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth, of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, that will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground everything that has breath of life in it i give every green, green plant for food and it was so and god saw all that he had made and it was very good there was evening and there was morning the sixth day so at the end of the sixth day it's very good everything else was good but this is very good we, we're going to dive deeper in verses 26 and 27 next week there's just too much to to look at for that, those two verses, uh, really to understand what it means for you and I to be made in the image of God and the ramifications for our life. For that, we're looking at that next week. But a couple of things are happening here that I want you to see. That might be kind of small and detailed, but they're a big deal. That what's happening. Uh, the first thing that happens, we notice a break in the narrative, which God is doing. Up until this point, the break in the narrative it was the third person. It says, "And God did, and God spoke, and it happened, and God said it was good, and there was evening." There's morning, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, and now it switches tenses or pronouns from the third person to the first person. You have those words in verse 26, and then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. It is interesting when you find that there, those words there, because that word that is used there is Elohim, and and, which is a plural word, plural, and a plural word can mean a couple of things in the Hebrew language obviously, it can mean plural, right? It can mean plural. Obviously it obviously can mean that. Let us make man in our image, and which perhaps is a reference to the Trinity. Many people say it's a reference to the Trinity, what it's talking about there, because we know all three members of the Trinity were there, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all involved in the creation process. Let me just remind you so, we, so you know that for sure. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That gives us reference that God the Father was there, In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit was there. In the New Testament, it gives us in Colossians chapter 1, that all things were made by Jesus and through Jesus, and Jesus sustains all things. So we know that Jesus was there. So all three members of the Trinity were there. So perhaps this verse is referencing the Trinity. They're there. Let us make man in our image, that they're all there. Others would look at that word and say it's a plural ending is a plural ending. And just like you find seraph, a plural for seraph is seraphim. A plural for cherub is cherubim. And so you have El or Elohim here. So what they say, maybe they would say it's a superlative, not necessarily a plural, what it's talking about. A superlative indicating God in His majesty. That's what it's talking about. Indicating God is an unspeakable majesty, is what they're saying. So is it possible that this passage. It's including both. And I think it is. It's including both. It's talking about God in reference to the Trinity, that all three persons of the Trinity were there. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But it's also reference to his superlative nature. That being the most majestic one in all the earth. It's letting you know that. The most majestic one in all the earth. There is no one like him. That's who's there. That makes all the difference in the world, right? To know he's there, right? Anybody else you say, who, who cares? But he's there. That's what matters. That's what he's saying. I'm here. That's who's here. We find that reference here. There's also something else that is interesting about the second part of the sixth day. We find that reference for us in Genesis chapter 2-7. We didn't read that, but it's talking about this time. If you look at Genesis chapter 2-7, a very important verse. It says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that man became a living being. Up until this point, God made everything out of nothing, right? He made it out of nothing. And now, notice with man, God has a raw material, right? What is the raw material that God has? The dust of the ground. Dirt. (laughs) He has dirt. He has dirt. He's going to take it from the dirt. And you say, God, couldn't you have chosen something better that you created, something nicer to make us out of? But, But look what he made out of the dirt. What did he make? He made us. He made mankind out of dirt the bible says and he made mankind here's the big deal he made mankind in his image in his likeness and that makes all the difference in the world according to genesis chapter 2 verse 7 what it's saying there is god breathed into the man the breath of life is what it's saying and at that point man became eternal man was different from all of god's creation they're made in his image we're not like all the other creation of god we're unique and god made us And so, but man, you say, fell in sin, but still man was eternal. That did not change. Man was still eternal. And so the fall so dramatically affected the image of of God in man without destroying it. So the image of God in man needed to be redeemed. That's what needs to be redeemed, that image that God put in us. It's been marred by the fall. And God has a plan for that, right? God has a plan for that to redeem us through Jesus. When a mother gives birth to a baby and you hold that baby in your arms, you hold an eternity in your arms. That that uh, living soul is going to live someplace, somewhere forever, is what we know of. And David writes that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And Jeremiah affirms that. And the Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, and I love this, he says, understand the will of God. It's a mystery like trying to understand how a baby is formed in its mother's womb. And it's amazing, right, to look at that that of all of creation, that everything that is created, that should cause us to just be in speechless wonder, it's the birth of a baby. How can that be possible? How can that happen that the baby develops inside of a mother's womb like that and it comes out the way it is? How can that be possible? You ever think about that? How does God do that? And we're in awe and wonder of God because that baby, here's the big thing, has the breath of life because the breath of life is from God. It's the only way we have life, because God breathes into us. He gives us life. We have the breath of God. And it makes a huge difference in what it's saying there. Psalm 8. David, the shepherd, is writing, and he has the sheep probably in the sheepfold. And he's there at night, and and he's either out there, out there uh, with the, within the wilderness with his sheep, And he's either leaning back on a rock or leaning back on a tree or laying flat on his back. And he's not looking at 100 sextillion stars because he can't see all those. But he's probably looking at about 5,000 stars with the naked eye. Enough for him to write in Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. And listen to what he says. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? And David is saying, God, after I look at all of your creation, all that you've done, everything you've done, and I'm just amazed at all that you've done, he says, what am I? What am I that you would even think about me? What am I that you would even care about me? Why do you even care about me? And we today say, what am I? I'm one person out of seven billion people on this earth. What am I that you would even care about me on this little, little ball called earth of all of your creation? Why does God care about me? Right, we look at that, and it causes amazing thing. Theologians have talked about this for a long time, and they give two different concepts of God. And there is, when we look at God, the first concept of God: God is transcendent. He's transcendent. He's otherly. He's so far removed from us. He's in that different category. It's the one who made all the stars, and he calls them by name one by one. That's the God. That's the God. And when we look at the transcendence of God, we understand his holiness. We understand the greatness of God, how powerful God is, and all those kind of things. But perhaps we don't come to the conclusion that God loves us, that God knows us. So we have others who lead to the imminence of God, and they talk about the imminency of God. They understand that He's close. He's with us. He's with us every place that we go. He's omnipresence. He knows us, and He wants us to know Him. So which is God? Is God transcendent, or is imminent? He's both, right? God is both. God is a God that's far off in another category, great and mighty and powerful and majestic and all those things. But he's also an intimate God who knows us and wants us to know him and have that relationship with us. And he's close and personal God too. We see that. We have our value because of a God who breathed life into us. That's where we get our value. Not because we're a human being, because God breathed life into us and it gives us value. We are made in the image of God. When Jesus was on his way to a funeral, arriving really late, according to Mary and Martha, uh, the sisters of the deceased, they asked Jesus, why were you late? If you would have been here, our brother would not have died. And Jesus says, your, your brother is going to live again. You know the story, right? And, and, and Mary and Martha said, I know he's going to live again, but what about us? They were concerned about them. What about us? What's going to happen to us? And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this is what he was asking. And then perhaps later at the grave of Lazarus, Jesus says those powerful words, Lazarus come out. And out from the grave comes Lazarus, right? Alive, who had been dead for four days. He comes out, right? Because the only the words of God and the breath of God can give life. Because Jesus called it, come out. And only God can do those kind of things, only the power of God. In the book of Ezekiel, and I, and I love this, God's, says to the prophet Ezekiel, said, so let's go on a tour. And he takes them out, he, and they go to this place of a valley of dead bones and carcasses. And God says to Ezekiel, the prophet, he says, I want you to pray that those bones would take on muscle and flesh. And so Ezekiel, the prophet, prays for that. They take on uh, muscle and flesh, but they have no life. And then God says, why don't you pray to the prophets? Why don't you pray that those bones would come alive? And so Ezekiel prayed for that, and then the Holy Spirit came upon those bones and they came to life. It's the power of God. Only the power of God gives life. I heard someone once say that Jesus Christ didn't come into the world to make bad people good, but Jesus Christ came into the world to make dead people alive. And that's what we are. We are all dead without Jesus. Spiritually dead, the Bible talks about. We are dead in our sins. We cannot rescue ourselves. Any attempt is a farce. We are dead. Ephesians 2.1 tells us that, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are spiritually dead. There's nothing we can do about it. And that the Spirit of God has to breathe into us eternal life. That's what we call regeneration. That's what we call being born again. But it can only happen when the Spirit of God does that. God has to do that, right? There's no amount of effort on our part that can do that. There's no amount of church attendance that can make that happen. There's no amount of serving and doing good deeds. There's no amount of money that can take and cause a dead person to be alive. That's a work of God and God alone. You and I cannot do that. The church cannot do that for you. Only person can give you life, eternal life, from darkness, from dead, is God. He's the only one that brings life. It's God. He brings life, takes dead people and makes them alive through faith in Jesus Christ. God's words have power, and God's words bring life. Amen? Let me say that again God's words have power, and God's words bring life. One of the things that you see in the book of Genesis, what God wants us to understand, yeah, I created all this, but my words have power, and I bring life. I'm the only one that brings real life, eternal life God can give you, and it's through Jesus. Let me wrap this up with some assignments, okay, to close, and we'll get more in detail in some of these things next week. Y'all ready if I give you assignments? Some things for you guys to do here, just to kind of put this into action, to understand this. Uh, Would you sometime this week, away from the busyness of life this week, find an opportunity to stand in awe of God, our Creator. That you may not have time to go to Niagara Falls, to fly off to Niagara Falls, but maybe this week you have time to take a walk in the woods. Maybe you have this week or maybe tonight even go outside at night and you look up and see the moon and the stars or sometime this week go up at night and see the moon and the stars and just be in awe of God. Look at, He made all this out of nothing out of nothing. Those 100 sextillion stars, the moon, God made this. And just stand there in awe of him and realize that God who made this spoke it to be out of nothing. And that same God who made all of this, everything we see up in the sky, that same God cares for you. He cares for you, and he loves you, and he cares what's happening in your life. I'm telling you, if you do that this week, it's going to lead to a great time of worship just to be out there and and be amazed. He created that, and he loves me. That's what got David. I can't—you did this, and you love me? You care about me? And so just spend some time with God, and and be in awe of our Creator. And that the same God who made all this loves you, and he cares about you. and wants to be involved in your life. The second assignment, if you've never experienced the breath of God, if the Spirit of God for eternal life, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior yet, then Scripture says you have an appointment with God that you're not yet ready for. That one day you're going to have to stand before Him. And Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you might live forever with Him. He died so you might have eternal life. He died for your sins, yours and my sins, and paid the price for our sins. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me encourage you to get—if you have questions that need to be answered, get those answered. Let me stop—stop making stumbling blocks. Stop making excuses— Stop, get, stop letting things get in the way of you doing that. Stop fighting it. And finally, give in and accept Jesus, who he, what he did for you. That he died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and raised on the third day. And today, come and realize I'm a sinner and Jesus paid the price for me so I can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life with God, to be with him forever, ever. The God who made this, I will be with him forever and ever and ever. And it's only through Jesus. The Bible said, it's by grace you've been saved through faith through faith in Jesus Christ, by God's grace. If you've never accepted him, do that today. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. Amen. If you have any questions, come and see me. Talk. I would love to talk to you about that. Assignment three, the last one. Do you think a God who put this all together, and he did, a God who made all this, the sun, the moon, the earth, those 100 sextillion stars, and made uh, all the marine life, and made all the animals and human life. And he tilted this earth 23 degrees so it could sustain life. And now the Bible says that Jesus is holding it all together by his powerful hand, by his powerful word, he's holding it together. And the God who put our DNA together in each one of us, the God who did that, the God who made a draft the way he did and made all the creatures the way he did, unique. And you look at marine life, you think, wow, you're blown away. The creativity of God. You think that a God of order, design, and purpose May have a purpose for the pinnacle of his creation, you and me. You think a God who put all this together? Think about this. He created this earth with you and mine. He everything that he'd put on this earth, everything, the animals, the plant life, the marine life. He said, "I did it for you." The stars, so you could look up and, up the star up in the sky and look and be amazed and be in awe of who I am. To be reminded, there is a God who's a creator that he did this all for you and I, the pinnacle of his creation. This is the day, the sixth day, the end of the sixth day, the pinnacle of his creation, that he did this all for you. And he says, I did all this. Do you think he did it for a purpose for you and I? Or do you think he just did it and say, oh, I made it now. Go live there. Do what you want. And no, I think he has a purpose for our lives, don't you? God did this for a reason. God never does anything without reason for a purpose. He's a God of order and design and purpose. And he did this. Our task in life is not to climb some corporate ladder and say, man, I'm looking for my next promotion. That's all it's all about. Or to accumulate things. That's not our task in life. Our task in life is to find out what is my purpose in life. Why does God have me here? Why does he have me here? And how can I be used by God with my gifts? To spread the gospel message to others. Let others hear about Jesus. To encourage others. To build others up. To edify others. To be used by God to spread the gospel so that I may bring glory to Him. So I may make this place a better place by expanding the kingdom of God and glorifying God in the process. Amen? That's what we're called to do. That's what God has for us. So you have your assignments, right? And I pray this week you would take those assignments seriously, seriously. Not only for this week, but in the weeks to come to really ask yourself those questions. Maybe number two assignment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you just have the first and third assignment. Those who don't know Christ as your Savior, you need to accept him first before you're able to do the first and third assignment, okay? Come and put your faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus, Stop uh, saying no. Stop saying wait. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, accept him today by simply saying, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and today. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. Amen? So you have your assignments. Let's pray. Lord, we come and we praise you. For God, there is no one like you. When we look at your creation, God, if we thought there's, God, if we thought in our hearts and minds that there's someone that's in the same category of you, I pray this morning that that thought has been blown away out of our hearts and minds. Lord, there is no one, absolutely no one like you. There's no one that gives life, that no one creates like you. There's no one can create out of nothing. You just demonstrated your power. There's no one that can make stars and and say, oh, by the way, I made the stars. The 100 sextillion stars that we know of. And all the creatures and all the marine life and all the uniqueness and creativity. When we look, Lord, none of them are alike. When we look at ourselves, no human being is exactly the same. We all have different DNA. No fingerprints are the same. Lord, we're different you made us different but you made us all with a purpose in mind a goal in mind and that's to know you to have a personal relationship with you through jesus christ that we might come to know you and walk with you and live for you and lord we might share others the good news about you how you love them and so god i pray that each one of us would find our purpose find the reason that you've placed us here and we realize, Lord, the truth, not what the world is saying, that we're, it's all about us, but the truth, God, that the story and everything is about you. It's about you. You made this world for us, but for us, you made us that we would glorify you through our lives, that we would serve you and live for you and worship you. And I pray, Lord, we'd realize that's our purpose. And there's no greater purpose. There's no greater significance for our life than you. So there's nothing greater than you. I mean, everything we look around, Lord, is, is you created it. It's why would we focus our minds and hearts on those things? Why would we focus our attention on the one who created all things, the one who's greater than everyone, the one who's the majestic one above everything? So, Lord, let us get our hearts and minds right, not about things, not about a job, not about a promotions, but about the one who made it all out of nothing. Our Creator, so I pray that Lord for each and every one of us this week that Lord we have an opportunity to spend some time with You, and just be in awe of our Creator, what You've created. It's not hard to do, Lord. All we have to do is look around, and Lord we will be in awe. Uh, sometimes to get on Discovery Channel and just look at some of those animals You created. We can't get out in the wildlife and marine life and see that Lord, and just in awe of You, Your magnificence, Your creativity, Your power, Your might. And Lord, it's just amazing. The wonder of God is just amazing. And Lord, help us to realize, Lord, you've got a purpose for us, every one of us. And I pray that we find that purpose. I pray that we'd be living for you, serving you, and we'd all take it serious. I pray for the person who may not know Jesus Christ, their Savior. I pray for their soul today. They do it, understand they're a sinner in need of a Savior, and they trust Jesus Christ, their Savior. That I pray for all of us, Lord, that today would be the day, Lord, we might say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that stand today. I may not have lived like this. I may, may have taken your creation for granted by looking up and just, oh, yeah, it's there. But today, maybe my eyes have been open. And today, I'm going to make that stand for you to realize there's no one like you. And I'm going to serve you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That every day from this day on is going to be different in my life. because I'm going to put you first in all my decisions and everything I'm going to do. Uh, with my family, with my children, or as a child with with how I do schoolwork. God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to glorify you as I do my schoolwork as a student. Lord, may you be glorified in our hearts and minds. And Lord, we ask all these things in a wonderful, amazing name, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.